Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time again for Texas Ag Today. And all week long, we've been coming to you from the Cattle Industry Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, anytime you get this many cattlemen together, in fact, anytime you get two cattlemen together, they're going to talk about one of two things. That's either the weather or the market. Well, we're going to talk markets today coming up in just a bit. Plus, our very own Gary Joyner has spent time down at the Mexican border this week, and he files a report on what farmers and ranchers down there are still dealing with when it comes to all of the illegal immigration coming across the border. We'll have both those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. An upcoming AgriLife event in Canyon offers something for everyone in Texas High Plains agriculture, but there's a special opportunity for those in the cattle business. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. U.S. pork and beef exports recorded a record pace through June. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. If you've ever thought about saving seeds for planting, please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about fruits and vegetable seeds in Texas. We'll have those stories along with Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Over 6,000 people are here at the Cattle Industry Convention in Nashville. And anytime you get two or more cattlemen together, they're going to either talk about the weather or the cattle market. Well, today we're going to talk about the market. I caught up with Dr. Dustin A. Heron. He's an animal protein analyst for Rabo AgriFinance. He says he understands the frustration that cattlemen have experienced over the past couple of years, but he believes there is a rational explanation for the big spread between boxed beef and fed cattle prices. As challenging and frustrating as the last couple of years have been to cattle producers, there really are rational supply and demand explanations for why we've seen what we've seen in terms of price spreads between cutout and and cattle prices and as we move forward and the balance of of cattle supplies and packing capacity start to come back in line we're going to see that spread narrow and start to see cattle prices rise you know for as of now august fed cattle prices are the highest they've been in this month since 2015. So I really do think, and even based on the most recent cattle on feed report, we've started to see some of these cattle supplies get under control, and that's definitely a positive outlook for the beef industry. He says there is a lot more packing capacity planned to come online in the next three years, but we need to be careful to not overbuild and cause another problem down the road. Texas farmers and ranchers along the Mexican border are still dealing with problems caused by the recent flood of illegal immigration. Gary Joyner is down on the border and has this report. 
I'm in McAllen, Texas with Victor Guerra, a rancher in Hidalgo County. And today's topic is about the impacts of the immigration situation on farmers and ranchers. You're experiencing some of those impacts yourself at your place. Yes, sir, that is correct. Uh, the main challenge that we have is damage done by uh, vehicles evading our various law enforcement agencies. And then as a rancher, we're left to foot the bill for the damages. And uh, those costs vary. They could go from 2500 to 3000 per occurrence. So it can get costly. Once that vehicle comes through your fences, then you've got individuals on your property now that you don't know where they're at? Yes, sir. That is correct. Most, in most cases, yes, sir. What happens then? Border Patrol does the best to try and, and secure them. Uh, other than that, sometimes they're successful. Other times they're not. I'm sure, they just continue to move, move on to other ranches. That's Victor Guerra, a rancher here in Hidalgo County. I'm Gary Joyner in McAllen with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Senate passed the bipartisan infrastructure package that contains several important investments for agriculture. Several U.S. ag groups reacted positively to the news, like the National Corn Growers Association. Their president, John Linder, says this is a once-in-a-lifetime investment in America's infrastructure, which includes funding for priorities that are important to farmers and rural America. An upcoming AgriLife event in Canyon has something for everyone involved in Texas High Plains agriculture. But James Hunt tells us there's a special opportunity for cattle producers. In reality, the lineup for the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour coming up on August 31st provides something for anyone involved in Texas High Plains agriculture. The morning session at the Extension Office in Canyon begins at 8.30 and features a variety of presentations on topics related to wheat, sorghum, cotton, corn, and government policy. Producers attending those sessions can get up to three CEUs and there will be a free meal. After lunch, Extension agent J.D. Ragland says the event moves to an arena on the campus of West Texas A&M for some live cattle demonstrations. We've dedicated the whole afternoon to BQA, Beef Quality Assurance, and what we'll do uh, for those participants that are interested, we will be issuing BQA certification to all those interested participants. Raglan says the BQA training will include presentations on subjects including animal handling, DNA sampling, pregnancy ultrasounds, and facility design. At the conclusion of the training, as part of BQA qualifications, all participants must take an exam and uh, we'll finish that exam up and hopefully be done somewhere around 5.30, 5.40 in the afternoon. So a pretty full day there. Once again, the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour is on August 31st. There's no cost to participate, but the Randall County Extension Office is asking for an RSVP by August 27th from those who would like to attend. You do not have to be a resident of Randall County to attend. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. pork and beef exports hit a record pace in the first half of 2021. Tom Nicoletti looks at the numbers. The U.S. Meat Export Federation's economist Aaron Borer explains the increase in pork exports. 
This has been another exceptional year for U.S. pork exports. We had strong enough demand in countries outside of China to fully offset a decrease of about a third in those muscle cut shipments going to China. Pretty widespread growth, but definitely concentrated here in the Western Hemisphere. For example, the continued rebound into the Mexican market was our biggest tonnage increase. Mexico had recovered to be our top volume market for pork muscle cuts. I think it's also important to emphasize this growth in the Western Hemisphere, including Central America and even a recovery and rebound into South America. Beef exports through June were up 18 percent from the first half of 2020, valued at $4.64 billion, up 28 percent. The beef story is also incredibly encouraging, especially considering it's still been kind of on again, off again for food service in a lot of our big markets. Consumer demand for U.S. beef, even when consumption is trending more toward retail, is still incredibly strong, especially in places like Korea, where they are importing, again, another record volume of chilled U.S. beef, China being the biggest volume increase on the beef side, even as the poor has slowed down. We've also seen growth into Japan. Taiwan had had kind of a slow start. It's ironic, but as the pandemic started to hit Taiwan, we did see the retail demand for U.S. beef surging there as well. That is Aaron Borer at the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're considering saving fruit and vegetable seeds to plant next year, there are several factors to consider. Horticulturalist John Begno has some advice from San Angelo. Well, if you've ever gone to the store and gotten a really great peach and you've decided you might want to try to grow that and you try to save the seed, there's all kinds of information on fruits and vegetable seed saving that you can get off of the Internet. The question is whether or not you really want to do it because there are pros and cons. Just take the, the, the peach itself. It may not be a peach that can grow in your locale because it requires more cold or less cold. That's the chilling requirement than you have naturally occurring in your area. And so that's going to be failure from the start. So some of these fruits are going to be very difficult. Cherries are a great example. You can eat sweet cherries, but growing them in Texas is very, very difficult. So be very choosy on what you do select. Pecans and walnuts, yes, you can plant those, and yes, they will grow. Will they be a good variety? Because they're sometimes cross-pollinated because of wind pollination, you never know what you're going to get. This brings us to vegetables. If you try to grow a squash and it's just an excellent squash and you save those seeds, the fact that it's cross-pollinated by bees means that you really never know what you're going to get when you plant that seed. It may be almost like the mother, may not even look anything close to that, maybe a gourd that looks almost inedible. This is how hybrids naturally occur. And when we save seeds that are hybridized, then that in itself, the genetics tells us we may not get anything close to that. So it's kind of very risky saving vegetable seeds unless they're self-pollinated like peppers and tomatoes. Usually you can be assured that you're going to get something very similar to the kind of seed that you save. So experiment on those, and if you do a little research and find out that they're like gourds and cucumbers and they cross-pollinate, they're not worth saving those seeds. 
This is how we had the original genetic modification. It occurs naturally in nature and also by man because we can hybridize and get all kinds of new vegetable varieties. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo. The Texas Animal Health Commission has proposed some changes to chronic wasting disease rules. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And small dogs with a chronic cough is a very common problem. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's very common to have a small dog with a chronic cough, and veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us that could be due to tracheal collapse. If you have a small breed dog that coughs regularly, tracheal collapse may be involved. There are certainly other causes of chronic coughing in dogs, especially heart failure, So your vet will need to do some diagnostic testing to diagnose the condition and rule out other causes. The trachea or windpipe is made of cartilage rings with a muscle at the top of the rings as the rings are C-shaped and the muscle makes the trachea a complete circle. As the dog ages, the cartilage weakens and the muscle sags into the middle of the windpipe, which decreases airflow and causes difficulty breathing and a cough. Factors that contribute to tracheal collapse are obesity, lung disease, respiratory or dental infection, and an enlarged heart. The cough begins in early stages as a honking-type cough that is intermittent and initially occurs after exercise or excitement. But as the disease progresses, the dog may even have a hard time breathing. Diagnosis of the condition requires x-rays to not only see the trachea, but to look for other lung and heart issues. Some of these dogs will have heart disease and tracheal problems. Treatment consists of medications to control the cough, anti-inflammatory therapy to reduce inflammation, bronchodilator therapy to help the dog breathe easier, and antibiotics if an infection is involved. It is important to make sure that the diagnosis is correct and that there are no other causes of the cough. Pulmonary hypertension, which is increased blood pressure in the arteries supplying blood to the lungs, can also cause a cough, so an ultrasound of the heart may be needed. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission has proposed some changes to chronic wasting disease rules. Jessica Domel takes a look at those changes in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Animal Health Commission is now accepting comments on proposed changes to its rules to control chronic wasting disease. Dr. Andy Schwartz, executive director of the commission, says the proposal would clarify that no commingling may occur between CWD-susceptible species of any age. 
uh, rules previously might lead the reader to believe that it was 12 months of age and older that was significant. This is to clarify that an animal of any age shouldn't be commingled with another animal from a herd of different status. The proposal would also add reindeer and caribou to the list of CWD susceptible species. Another important step was to implement a 5% mortality rate for herds participating in our herd certification program. That's our voluntary program that herd owners can enroll in and if they achieve certified status after five years of participation, they can ship deer interstate or sell more freely within the state of Texas. This 5% minimum mortality rate is a calculation we will do over a three-year period of time and it's based on the expected normal mortalities in those breeding facilities. And that's where we get the surveillance we need to have the confidence that this is a low-risk herd for chronic wasting disease. The proposal would also increase the required fence height for deer breeder facilities in Texas to eight feet to be in line with the federal CWD herd certification program. The existing facilities would be grandfathered in, but any new herd enrolled after October 15th of this year would need to have fences eight feet in height or greater to prevent the ingress or egress of deer. We'll have more on the other proposed changes on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time for a look at the agricultural markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Department of Agriculture released its monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report on Thursday. And wow, did that have an effect on some of our markets. USDA's report forecasts a decline in beef production on lighter than expected carcass weights. That pushed some of the cattle markets higher as we closed the day on Thursday. August live cattle were up 20 cents to 123.15. December live cattle up 77 cents to 133.95. August feeder cattle were down 7 cents to 158.70. October feeder cattle were up 32 cents to 165.62. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to head to San Angelo, talk to Benny Cox about the sheep and goat sale he had on Tuesday. Benny, how many noses did you end up counting? Ended up selling 63.91, which is a, a good number, and I'd say near normal. We had a number of maybe a little more than than our share of these really good wool lambs that have been worked, castrated, and they sold for near steady with what we what we've been seeing the last month or so. Slaughter lambs, they were a little softer. They were really hot on those, you know, 55 to 60 pounders last week. They're probably 10 to 15 dollars lower, and I imagine that's where most of the the decline was. The uh, slaughter ewes, they were better. They were kind of 10 to 15 dollars. 
tire. Most of those would certainly be your hair sheep type. Kid goats, they were a little softer as well, kind of 10 to 15 lower. Slaughter nannies, they sell in a range from 150 all the way to 220, but most of them kind of 180 to 205. Big mature billies, 180 all the way up to 250, but but a realistic figure in there, kind of 210 to 230-ish, gets most of the better end of those. Looking at the range on your wool figure lambs, kind of 260 all the way up to 294, and those 294s have been some sure light ones on the uh, slaughter lambs, 260 to 338 with the heavier weights from $2 to $2.92. Uh, looking at the slaughter ewes, 85 to 140 mostly 105 to 125 Kid goats from 250 to 334 but mostly 295 to 310 with some of these are show goat prospects up to uh, 386 Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office is the same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, your host. I hope to see you back tomorrow. Come down the lane and have a glass of iced tea with me. USDA's WASDE report forecast a reduction in milk production in 2021 and 2022 on lower expected dairy cow numbers. They forecast a lower Class 3 milk price on lower than expected dairy product prices. September Class 3 milk down 30 cents to 16.94 a hundredweight. After posting triple-digit losses Wednesday, we saw cotton topple 93 cents on Thursday. That after USDA released its report showing slightly larger beginning stocks and a 536,000 bale decrease in expected production. October cotton up 213 points to 93.77. December cotton up 210 points to 93.32. USDA forecast a smaller corn crop than we previously expected. That pushed corn up on Thursday. September corn up 10 and 3 quarters to 567. December corn up 14 to 573 and a quarter. USDA lowered its all wheat production forecast about 49 million bushels this month. That gave some support to our wheat on Thursday. September hard red wheat up 28 and a half to 738 and 3 quarters. December hard red wheat up 28 and 3 quarters to 750 and 3 quarters. We saw natural gas prices drop on Thursday. October natural gas down 14 cents to 3.92. October crude oil down 22 cents to 68.80 a barrel. After setting all-time highs of Friday and Tuesday, the S&P 500 was up today. The Dow was down. The Dow down 8 points to 35,476. The S&P 500 up 11 points to 4,459. The Nasdaq was up 46 points to 14,811. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time with the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.